Today on the podcast, we're diving into the mind of Adrian Barker. Adrian is a successful business owner, a podcaster, and also a social media expert who's amassed over a quarter of a million subscribers on YouTube. On this episode of the podcast, we have an incredible conversation and you can expect to learn a couple of different things. One is how to run a business with ADHD. The next is how to deal with failure because you're going to fail at some point. Everybody does. And also, most importantly, how to amass an incredible, huge audience on YouTube. My name is Harrison Brown, and this is the Into the Mind podcast. If you're watching, I hope this helps. Adrian, so I've had the pleasure of working with you for a while now, but what I found interesting about you is you, so you started in HR. Am I right in saying yeah. that? So where, where, how, did, how did YouTube come into this? How did the business come into this? Where did it start? So I, I guess my, my first kind of career, let's say, was in music production. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I left uni. I went to uni, uh, studied music at uni. Uh, went to uni as a guitarist, came out as a, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, an engineer perhaps. I wouldn't quite say a producer. I probably thought of myself as a producer, but as an engineer, I, I loved uh, the studio environment, the idea of recording music, the, uh, the art behind recording music, not just writing a song, but how are you going to capture that song and, and essentially display it or present it through speakers? Uh, I fell in love with that art. And, and so I'd, I guess straight from uni, I'd, I got a job in a recording studio uh, and then got headhunted for another studio and kind of got a dream opportunity where a businessman uh, bought a warehouse. He wanted a studio. And so he had an empty shell and a bucket load of money and just said, I need this. I, like, at you. I can do that. I can build that. And so I designed this. It was like probably a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, an eight room studio with a massive live room, control room, dedicated vocal booths, practice rooms. And it's literally a warehouse and then turned into this thing. It's, it's an incredible opportunity. And then I, I, I did like this, uh, this, I don't know what you call it, a masterclass in, in a massive studio uh, production company in London that recorded like all, all the big rock bands and, and things like that. And, and they offered me a, a position and I turned it down. And that's when I realized that maybe this isn't the right job for me. Uh, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And my dad said, I found a dream job, teach music production for Apple. And so I went over to Apple. Weirdly, I enjoyed the more HR learning development side of that role of developing other people and kind of coaching other people as opposed to the technical side of teaching a technical thing like music production or photography and, and things like that. And that's when I moved into HR. I got headhunted again to, to join a company uh, to run their learning development department. And that's when I became a full HR person. Uh, but although at the time I would have said I liked it and I do have a passion for working with people to help people kind of get the most out of themselves, I've always been a technical person who's enjoyed systems, enjoyed, I don't know what you'd call it, just the editing side of stuff. I'd, analytical. I'd, yeah, the analytical side of things. I'd, I'd, I like understanding processes. I like seeing how you can take this technical process of of editing something in a certain way and then applying that in an artistic way on something be it audio be it video Hmm. um and and so i always had this desire of of doing something um i did sort of jump back 
you're getting the life the life story now <laughs> the first company that i ran was was my own music production company mm. that was around 2008 uh when when the uk had a, a massive recession and it killed everything the, the the company died had to move back home so like age 25 it doesn't sound bad now because lots of like uh mature people are moving back home because of the economy is screwed uh but back then it, I'd, I'd moved out when i was 18 and 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 so moving back when you're 25 26 yeah. kind of sucked in my life that's not where i wanted to be but that's what i had to do because I, I, was, I was just outright broke mm. but that kind of destroyed my confidence um with business and thinking that i could be an entrepreneur which i which was always my dream um i always liked the idea of, of having a project and, and building something uh and and so I always felt a bit confined, a bit stuck in the HR job. And I used watches as, as like a, an escape, a way of getting out mm. and used uh, Instagram as a way of sharing whatever I learned about watches. And then it kind of just progressed into YouTubers. Stuck at home on a weekend, wife had taken the kids away. I was supposed to be working because that's why I hadn't gone on holiday with them. Mm. I had cameras, I had a, a desk lamp. And I thought, let's just, let's make a video. Let's just do it. Do you think part of that is because, because I think I kind of had the same thing in a way in school, dyslexic and ADHD. Snap, yeah. Which is me (laughs) me as well, yeah. Um, I I didn't perform at all. I never got into uni, whereas all my pals were going off to uni. I got into college, dropped out very quickly. I hated being told that I was wrong. Yes. It really shattered my confidence, totally. So going into photography and visual art, like videography, YouTube, nobody tells you you're wrong. Yeah. It's up to you to figure it out. Do you think that was something that you kind of realized? I, I think so. And also on that, uh, I've always struggled with a, a, a bit of ego. I've always had this thought that I don't know if, if feeling that I'm, I'm better than someone else is the right, right way of phrasing it. But I've always thought I'm not as stupid or not as useless as I've been made, as I've been told you were made to almost. feel through school so so dyslexic you're never going to be good at reading you're never going to be good at writing depending on what your dyslexia impacts mm. but there's always been opportunities for me to get stuff wrong and teachers to tell me that's wrong and and so I'd, i feel like to counter that my brain just said nah you're right you can do this mm. and and so I've, I've always had this idea of just do it just give it a go weirdly this job in hr kind of pushed me into this box and, and I, I just got stuck and looking back I'd, I'd, I'd comfortably say I was depressed just being stuck in this little job trying to play the corporate role uh, and there was, I had a, an interview I, I needed to get another job I needed more money I had an interview at uh, Visa um, to run their learning development department I was in the interview just saying exactly what they wanted to hear. And I was yeah. like, do, do you, are you happy to spend 80% of your time traveling? Yes. Are you happy to travel around the world? Yeah, that's that's what I want to do. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> sounds horrible. It's kind of, kind of like square peg, round hole. Exactly. And yeah. I, just, I know what you want to hear because I've, I've worked in big, I worked for Apple. I've worked in big corporate companies. I, I know how to play this game. And I, I then had a, had a went off and had lunch with their director of people. It's like having meetings with these big people. I thought, this isn't... Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about this stuff. I just want to, I just want to have fun and, and be creative. Uh, and that's then I got into listening to podcasts, audiobooks. Uh, I don't know how I came across these things, but I'd, I listened to Gary Vee's Crush It. Uh, I listened to Mark Ronson, I think his name is. Mm. Uh, uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving a, an F. 
are you allowed to swear on the podcast? Oh, go for it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So long. <laughs> I'm not giving a fuck. And just fantastic, fantastic book of of pure logic. But sometimes you just need to hear someone else say it. That it doesn't matter what other people think. It's if someone thinks you're a bit of a prick, maybe you are a bit of a prick. Are you going to change for them? No, yeah. absolutely not. And this is what I, I, I find funny about negative comments in social media. So I was like, oh, you know nothing about watches. Well, why are you talking? Like, am I going to stop what I'm doing mm -hmm. for a random person on the internet who has no credibility telling me to stop what I'm doing? Mm. It's literally like walking down the street. You got your briefcase, you're going off to your big office job and some random dude comes up and says, don't go to work because you're crap. <laughs> Are you going to listen to them? No. <laughs> you're yeah. just going to think you're a crazy dude. Bye. <laughs> and, and, but that's kind of what the, the, the subtle laughter not giving a fuck kind of just gave this little thing in my head. of like, it doesn't matter. Just light try bulb. it. Yeah, this little light bulb. Yeah. Just if you fail, dude, I've, dyslexics, we've failed. Yeah. We, we, like, I four GCSEs and it took me I think it was three attempts to get English like fuck it, yeah. I've done failure mm. it doesn't matter if I do it again and mm. and so that's kind of like my my outlook on on life now is just just try it if it works great if it doesn't move on <laughs> and do you think the, the dyslexia ADHD kind of in retrospect because I know these things are hard, like coming from I've probably got a similar schooling school background than you have and I failed 90% of what I did yeah do you think the dyslexia ADHD in retrospect is actually a good thing because it kind of broke you away from the norm i know so many of my pals that are in jobs that they hate yeah but they're just doing them and then they live for the weekend which i i, I couldn't even imagine that do you think yeah. it helped in a way i i think it did help massively uh i i think inherently when you're dyslexic or you have adhd or, or any neurotypical uh, neurodivergent sorry um you realize you're not quite right something's going on the system that you're in perhaps isn't for you and so naturally you accept that maybe i have to find my own path mm -hmm. and i think that then translates later in life to i don't have to have a nine to five i don't have to have a job where i work for the weekend and I, I can have a job that i enjoy or or i can just look at a situation and change it so going back to the the, the visa interview i came out thinking i don't want that job mm -hmm. i'd prefer to make videos for the 20,000 subscribers that I had on YouTube at the time, be broke, but be happy. That for me is a better lifestyle than traveling 80% of the time for, I don't know what the salary was, but it, it would have been a, a yeah. decent salary, an okay salary. Um, I thought that's that's not passion, that's, that's not happiness. Happiness isn't the salary. We're, we're taught that we need to have a bigger paycheck. We're taught we need to work for the big corporate companies because that looks good. No, it's just your ego. That's, you're not actually better off because your ego is happy it's just uh, it's just superficial shit do you think that's kind of society society norm is kind of pushing people into you need a 905 you need you need you know this is how it should be done and there's no other way to do it maybe being dyslexic having adhd you had to find another way yeah so it pushed you whereas people that aren't dyslexic aren't don't have adhd they can kind of fit into it but they don't exactly like it Whereas we are, you had to find a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, we, we are taught, I mean, the, the, the system um, needs people to want to have those jobs. Needs The, the, the economy can't work if, if everyone's entrepreneurial. It, mm. the, the society just wouldn't work. Um, but at, at the same time, the certain neurodivergencies have different um, benefits to them. 
and and when you do have ADHD or you, or you do have um, dyslexia, you, you are naturally more creative because you've always had to use that part of your brain to think, right, I don't know the answer to this. How can I figure out the answer? Or I don't have the ability to do this. How am I going to get over here if I can't go the normal route? Yeah. I'm just going to have to find my own route here. Do you ever get it when you're writing out a text and you can't spell a word and you have to reform the whole sentence in order to... <laughs> but that's exactly it. That's it, yeah. That's exactly it. I, I don't know this word. Right, uh, cool. Yes, rewrite the sentence. Or I'm going to write five words mm. in place of that one thing because I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that's 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 the basic version of it. And and yeah. But that's essentially um, business. Mm. Is, is I've got this idea or I've seen an opportunity over here. I'm here. How am I going to get there? Mm. We've been doing that all our lives because we've had to be creative with however we try and answer something mm. or don't. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I, I think it's kind of hardwired into if you have a non-typical brain. Mm. Uh, but also, I, I, I kind of felt like you hear all these, um, you often hear sub stories. I started this business because I'd, I had this or, or I, was, I was successful because um, this happened in my life and it caused tragedy and I had to get away from it. And I, I remember sitting on the tube to my, my day job thinking I'd, I've had a pretty cushy life. I mean, yeah, being dyslexic is pretty crap. And, but I went to a decent school. Uh, my, my parents are still together. Uh, my parents are still alive. I, I, nothing happened in my childhood that, that was traumatic. Bad. That was traumatic. Yeah. So I needed to find a bit of fuel. And I thought, maybe dyslexia is my fuel. And then I started mm. to like dig deep. And I kind of realized, that, no, there is anger in there. Mm. I've got this epic chip on my shoulder about dyslexia. I just kind of polyfill it over it and i thought no i need that energy and Use so I, I keep kind of scratching that that it scratching that scab sorry to to open that wound to give me fuel to say oh yeah I've, i have this chip on my shoulder let's go do something let's go show society who failed me at my i'm, I'm technically stupid because mm -hmm. i've only got four gcse's i had to redo english three times uh, i had to do a foundation degree rather than going straight to uni and doing a full degree uh, so I, I guess by society, I'm, I'm stupid, but no, I, just, I run a business now. <laughs> I, 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 I live an okay life, a, yeah. a, a life that typically I probably shouldn't have based on, on the results. It's, it's funny you talk about the kind of fuel that you have, because I remember in my, in my life I, when I first started posting on my Instagram photography, and it was shit because it was the first one that I took, <laughs> but it was crap. But I, I was like, oh, I really enjoy this. I'll, I'll keep posting. And I remember um, a friend group that I was in at the time saying, you know, this is really embarrassing. You can't do that. And they were like, you're, you're an embarrassment to us. You can't do that. So I blocked all of them and was like, I'm totally moving away. And whenever I need fuel, I'm like thinking about what they would think of what yeah. I'm doing. And if I don't succeed, I feel terrible because I, I know that they'll be watching. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my fuel, adding fuel to the fire, so to speak. Yeah. Where did YouTube come into that? At what point did you put, because we have cameras today, but we're quite... We're veterans at sitting in front of a camera. <laughs> yeah. It can be quite a weird thing sitting in front of a camera. How did you, how did that come about? So I've, I've always, um, uh, I, I guess when I got my corporate career, so at Apple, um, I joined Apple as a, I used to teach people Logic Pro, which is a, the music, the professional music production program. Uh, and that was a, a kind of one-on-one -on -one, uh, thing. And I, I, I got, I got good at, at presenting um, and then Apple sent me off to this horrible hotel near Heathrow <laughs> and they did this incredible 
two-week course where you literally present for eight hours of the day just mm. constant presenting you do the you do a 50-minute presentation feedback change it 50 minute, minute presentation feedback change it and so it it drills into your head one what good present presenting looks like but two it, it drills into your head that it is going to be shit sometimes mm. sometimes you have to listen to the feedback and sometimes you have to actively seek the feedback to make the next one better so it's always this mindset of what you've done you've done it it's it's that performance is done um so don't dwell on it move on to the next one just make yeah. sure the next one is always better than the first one so i simply apply that that to youtube but to answer your question about um talking to a camera by the time it came to actually turning on the camera i'd been presenting at apple for four years i was then headhunted to to be a trainer at another company and i presented to 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 various people there various groups one-on-one one to a hundred um uh, for i think another three four five years and and doing video conferences and video training sessions so it was actually just completely normal it was just so you, so you found it quite easy it was quite natural for you it was yeah yeah, yeah. and also because i think the adhd thing just means that i, I can literally just keep talking i, I, I just <laughs> so, so do, do do feel free to just say adrian cool that's done 15 minutes on on this let's, no, let's move on not at all that, that's the same as me yeah he, he can turn on a camera and i can i can walk away and i'll be like no idea what I just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just falls out. <laughs> My no brother is saying, oh, there's an idea. Right? Yeah, let's talk about that. Oh, no. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> like, no idea. So, how, how did you learn the, like, because there's so many intricacies that come into to, to YouTube. Mm. Like, there's the videography, the SEO, there's the editing, mm-hmm. there's the, like, color grading. There's so many, like, like, little things that you just don't even think of. Yeah. Did you just, you know, you, you just thought, right, I'm going to start and if I get it wrong, I'll just learn on the way. Was that your kind of... It, it, yeah, it, it goes back to the Apple mindset of do it. And, and mm. so, sorry, the first day at Apple, um, literally took me onto the shop floor and said, cool, here's, here's your customer, go, go teach them. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Let's just uh, go teach them something. Mm. This is my first day. <laughs> You're not going to teach me <laughs> No, no, we're not going to teach you. I want you to do it because then we have a basis to start on. Yeah. So that was my idea. Was, just, just fucking do the video. Yeah. Look at the video and make a note of what you don't like and just take one thing and change it next time i didn't like the audio cool so let's let's change the audio next time i don't like the lighting cool let's let's explore what good lighting looks like uh, and so it's all about um in hr you look at it as oh no it's it's, it's a, a kind of a, a coaching model where you could you could talk to someone about coaching or someone's come to you and, and they want to be coached and they say i want to look at i want to be like uh, joe blogs over there mm. cool so let's let's create write down who you think you are and who you think joe blogs is what are the similarities? What are the differences? And how are we going to how are we going to bridge those gaps between the differences? And that's essentially what I did with my videos. First video was absolutely terrible. I tried to record it on a Fuji X100 Mark One, I, I think it was, and that was just terrible. So I ended up just using my iPhone facing. So it was using a back camera on the iPhone facing oh, towards no. me, lightning cable into um, into the laptop, so I could see the preview. The microphone was too far away on the camera, and so I used the laptop push the screen right down and the laptop microphone was right next to me um and that was it that was literally the setup yeah. and i thought fuck it let's do it the mm. next one will be better it doesn't matter how shit this one is yeah and and the, the the fun thing is you're either gonna be successful and look back at laugh and laugh at the first one or you're not gonna be successful and it doesn't matter because <laughs> you, you tried it and no one saw it so who cares and so that's that's kind of how i just do things just try it and improve it mm. and just keep just keep going until just you keep think going. Yeah. either i don't want to do this anymore or i've actually made a success of it yeah yeah exactly so many of my friends went to uni went to college wherever they went and they got degrees that they they hate 
And actually a lot of what I learned through YouTube and social media is so much more valuable than the degrees they've got now. Yes. Because SEO is huge. Mm -hmm. Editing is huge. Photo editing is huge. Photoshop's huge. There's so many like different, you don't even think of it when you're doing the videos that you do because it's second nature to you now. But yeah, there's yeah. so many like intimacies that are so relevant in society nowadays. Yeah. And a lot of, we'll get onto AI, but a lot of what AI is doing is replacing the non-creativity part. Mm -hmm. If you're not creative, AI can probably replace you. Yes. What are your kind of thoughts on that? I'd, I think, uh, I'd, I think it's, it's very powerful. So th th there was a transition in Apple when, um, Apple changed, Apple took the head of Final Cut, when it was Final Cut 7, I think it was, they took the head of Final Cut 7, the, the Apple's professional uh, video editing software, took him and told him to, to build a very simple uh, consumer level video editing software. Mm. And he built iMovie. And iMovie was incredible. It was so intuitive, it just made sense. Free. And it, it was free. And <laughs> it, it was powerful, it could do it. And it just made sense. Anyone who just could use a word processor could open up uh, iMovie and, and understand it. And then Steve Jobs thought, cool, why is Final Cut so shit then? Mm. Because you literally had to have a degree to learn Final Cut 7. It was horrible. Uh, and so that's why Final Cut, the version of Final Cut 10, Final Cut X, looks the way it is because of, because of iMovie. So it, it's, it, I feel like AI is just the next version of that is jobs don't have to be as complex as they are. I feel the whole lawyer solicitor industry is a complete farce. They don't need to say from henceforth or forthwith <laughs> and all that bollocks and and from here on in. It's like, mm. no, just speak English. You yeah. only say that because you want a job. If you if you didn't read talk in this absolute gobbledygook, you wouldn't have a job. Mm. I kind of feel like AI is just this next version of cut the crap. Mm. Let's just get if we have a device that can make things easier. Let's just make things easier. It's, mm. That's just how it is. Yes, there, there, there's there's a, a societal concern around those who have access uh, will get wealthy, but we've seen this all before with those who knew HTML and could build websites and then the sun, boom. Yeah. But then now everyone knows HTML and everyone can build a website. Mm. Uh, and so that's no longer a, a required job. It's, it's just the next version. Next I, I think it's quite exciting. Um, we've spoken about AI editing podcasts. There's, I mean, no one likes editing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there's, there's an absolute benefit in that. There, there, there's an element of um, AI could remove the, the need for solicitors and lawyers. You could upload a contract and, and say, well, what areas, if I want to keep, I don't know, royalties or, or, or keep overall control of X, tell me if there's an, an uh, a clause in this contract that that damages that that that's control that i want and ai could tell you or if if i do x will i get in trouble <laughs> and yeah. it'll, it'll tell you so it's i think it's quite powerful the contract that we've literally got for this podcast i'll show you after uh we had to do some degree pokery but it's ai written <laughs> yeah, but, but this is it's it. The whole it's, thing. it no exactly and and also it's it ai is just a bigger extension of the calculator. You're mm. telling a computer to do a task that you don't want to do. Cool. AI is just a hundred years, or maybe fifty years after that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe forty. <I> don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of time after that. <laughs> and when you started on YouTube, so so you've kind of described this process of you just just do it. That, that, that's yeah. kind of the uh, without being Nike, just <laughs> just do it. No, no. But I've actually fallen in love with Nike. Yeah. Because I I love it. It is just about just do it. And I can't remember who who who. Uh, kind of dissected or analyzed the, the just do it but nike isn't about isn't about winning nike's about 
getting on with it. Yeah. Give it a go. Try it. If it doesn't work, either try again or move on and do something different. Mm. It's not about, oh, you have to be the fastest. It's about, we want to, this isn't sponsored by Nike. I'm sure you'd like it if Nike was <laughs> yeah. sponsoring it. We wouldn't be in my lounge. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, 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 about, it's about celebrating those who give it a go. And mm. I think that's, that's what life should be about. But I kind of feel like perhaps school or, or maybe my experience of school was don't give it a go because you're going to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, you get bullied for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll feel silly. We need to pause this podcast to bring to you a word from our sponsors. Chisholm Hunter are the sponsors of the Into the Mind podcast. And without Chisholm Hunter, we would not be sitting here today. They have helped support us in a venture that is totally new to them. And I think for a family business that's been around for over 165 years, that's quite incredible. Chisholm Hunter supply luxury jewellery and watches. And all of my jewellery, including this chain, these rings, this watch, are all from Chisholm Hunter. So if you're looking for something for yourself or something for a partner, head to chismhunter.co.uk. So you obviously had this, like, the start of the YouTube career was kind of very homemade set up. Is there any failures that you experienced within the first couple, like, couple of months of uh, YouTube that, that, that kind of set the scene for the rest of it? You know, what learnings yeah. did you take from those failures? in the first, because I feel so much. Um, I, I think the big one, I'm not sure there'd be failures. Just I, I just think they are just learnings. I, I just think it's it goes back to the idea you've just got to try. So the, 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 the big one was thinking I need to be like the people who I watch. Mm. And so I, I'd, I'd, I'd always watch Casey Neistat. I'd always watch, uh, this was the early days of Peter McKinnon, but always watch Peter McKinnon. Um, always watch... Uh, not always watch but but appreciate the energy of logan paul i, I mm. thought he, he was I, I didn't like the character of logan paul but i did enjoy the energy that that he could muster up and how he could turn everyday life into something, uh, something entertaining mm. um and and so i'd i'd watch these people and think all right cool so i'm enjoying talking about watches if i'm going to do this seriously then i should probably try and be a youtuber and so then I then tried to be high energy. I tried to be uh, perhaps a bit louder. I tried to, um, I I just tried to emulate those who um, who I followed, and I think that's where YouTuber burnout or social media burnout comes in when people pretend to be something that they're not. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily got burnt out. I just I remember watching videos back thinking, who, that's not me. Mm. Like, who is that? It's like an act. Yeah, it is an act. And, and, it's, and it's hard to sustain an act. And so that, I guess that was, a, and it honestly took me a good few years to figure this out. It probably wasn't until I moved to Scotland a few years ago that, that I realized, no, I'd just, just be you. Um, and, and so that, that, that was a big eye-opener. And, and it, I do find it funny when I look back and I think, let's, Stop trying to be Casey. Stop trying to be. <laughs> stop. Stop trying to be that 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 cool guy who you'd like to be. Just be you, and it it always comes back to the idea of when when someone tells me that they don't like me or don't like my content, that's fine. Like the the content isn't for you. Then that's that's mm -hmm. totally cool. If someone says, "Oh, why are you talking about this thing? I I don't care," or or um, I I don't care about this. Don't care about that. That's that's fine. It's like this this isn't tax. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to follow. You don't have to listen. Uh, and, and that's just the, the kind of mentality now is I make content for the people who want to watch it. And if they don't, then it's, it's really not a problem. Mm. Um, and so I, I guess that, that was my, my biggest learning. For, from, a, from a failure point of view, 
my, my whole kind of concept is is drinking coffee, or I guess my tagline, if I was a, a, a marketing thing, is drinking coffee, talking watches. And, and the, the idea around that is um, it was a bit of a sticking your fingers up at, at all the Instagram accounts who would have a Rolex draped over a champagne glass or something, or a champagne bottle. And it's, it's, I want to talk about watches, but I'm not in that champagne world. That, that it's, I work in HR, so I have to ask my wife if I want to borrow, buy a watch. It's, that's, that's, yeah. If I buy a watch, we're probably not going to go on holiday. That so it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. And, and, there, and there were guys on YouTube who'd, who'd be like, oh, I'm unboxing my fourth Patek this, this, uh, this week. And, and so, and this is me drink, opening it whilst drinking champagne. And, if that's your life, then cool. But I, I just didn't. I felt like that was very elitist, and and that isn't what these a lot of these watches are about. It's it's about tools, it's about activities, and it's just about enjoying nice things. So my tagline was drinking coffee because coffee's I feel the complete opposite to um, champagne. It then made sense when um, a coffee company reached out and uh, and said, "Do you want to collaborate?" And this is it was a quite a cool dude who, who was who was running the the coffee company in California. Uh, Bixby Coffee, and uh, we had a big old chat, loads of chats about um, should we do this? We actually just spoke about watches, to be honest, for for most of the Zoom calls. But then we got to the topic of should we collab? Should we launch a Bark and Jack um, coffee brand? I thought, yeah, that's that's kind of the dream. Uh, so we spent ages trying out different coffee blends and and branding and and looking at the infrastructure, did loads of test orders. Uh, I thought this makes sense. This feels like the right thing to do. I legitimately like coffee. This is high end coffee. Let's do it. And even after all the testing, I hadn't appreciated how difficult it was to ship a food product from California that was grown in Guatemala, I think it was, for a company based in the UK post-Brexit around the world. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, an, and it was never, never going to be a, a, a moneymaker. The, yeah. the, the margins were tiny. I think it was passion. It, it was passion, it was mm. branding, it was a bit of fun, um, but it, it just turned into an absolute ball ache because it immediately went to becoming our number one sold product. <laughs> we sold so much coffee um, and that was the failure of it, is, is that there, there wasn't enough return in it to call it a commercial opportunity, mm. but the admin work um, and, and letting customers down you think about shipping if i'm based in the uk someone in germany watching my videos think oh cool yeah i'll, I'll support bark and jack I'll, and i like coffee I'll, I'll buy some coffee why is the coffee taking a month to come from <laughs> california um, and and so it, it, it was really quite tricky lo the logistics of it all so we had to to, to knock on the head uh, but i don't regret doing it because it, it was it was a fun thing but technically that was a failure but you learn a lot from it and absolutely and yeah. and and it, it's it's kind of been my whole mindset around this time of me doing business. I, I remember when I, I launched watch straps and my, my wife would make the little socks. I, I, I wanted to try and be as, as eco-friendly as possible and, and have something different. So rather than sending the straps in plastic or, or uh, something that in packaging that someone just throw away, I designed this little watch, I called it a watch sock, it was simply a strap sock. It's just a fabric pouch. And the idea was uh, that the straps would arrive in this little fabric pouch and then you could use it to store a watch. Put your watch in your, on your, your sock drawer at home, put it in a pouch instead, and it'll just add a little bit of protection. It's a little bit of fun. Mm. The plan was we'd uh, make them out of 
old clothes. So rather than using new fabric, let's let's recycle old fabric. So we ended up having to go around all these blooming um, secondhand shops, charity shops, buying up chinos and things like that and cutting them up. And my wife said, so how many orders do you think we'll make on the first day, first weekend? And I thought, ah, oh, let's, let's get 25 pouches done. And she was doing it all by hand. She went on a sewing course to learn how to sew and uh, bought a sewing machine. She was just sitting in the kitchen uh, sewing all these socks. And um, I had to turn the shop off within about two or three hours of, of launching because oh, no. we'd we'd broken even within about an hour oh, and uh, i think we had about 300 orders <laughs> so that the initial 24 socks just went like that um and what i hadn't thought of i hadn't even thought about how i'm going to ship a strap to taiwan how do i <laughs> how do i strip, ship a strap to to, to australia to mm. uh, to india i just put on let's just tick yeah i, I can I can send something anywhere. But, uh, but learning on the job like that is sometimes a better way of doing it because a lot of people will start these companies and then stop because they don't understand that instead of keeping exactly. it going. I, I always get emails from people or DMs from people saying, um, I, I want to start a YouTube channel. What, what microphone do you suggest? Mm. Doesn't matter. Just, if you've got something that records sound, just do it. You'll figure out the rest later on. What camera should I buy? Use your iPhone. Mm. Uh, see, see if you like it change it research try something buy something that that, that you you can afford to try it because you'll change it whatever you buy however much research you do it's never going to be enough what what soundproofing should you use don't just get on with it <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about the echo people will listen yeah. and so it's 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 one of those things you, you, i could have sat there for ages and made a checklist of need to find out what the 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 export code is to to send a nylon strap to to india i need to find out what the if this country has import tax no just just do it. Learn on the job. <laughs> yeah, learn on the job. You'll get it wrong. You'll, yeah. you'll mess up. But just make sure that you 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 focus on fixing it so that it doesn't keep messing up. Mm. That's that's kind of, yeah. That's kind of just what I do. <laughs> so so your your kind of mantra is like I'm a normal guy that talks about normal stuff with watches. I'm yeah. not this elite billionaire that can buy eight Pateks a month and like yeah. keep going. Do Do you have any form of because within the industry that I'm in as well, you get some really 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 wealthy people mm. and i've experienced it when i work, worked in the shop do you have any form of kind of because you get invited to these events with zenith or uh, oris or wherever it is do you get any kind of like imposter syndrome around these people yeah i yeah i get massive imposter syndrome um and that's kind of my connection with my explorers i'd if ever I get a sense of this might be a bit awkward, I'd, 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 I'm a little bit autistic as well. And so when, when I go to like a big event, I'm like, this is, this isn't right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go home and play Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I kind of feel like the, I don't tell my friends about my channel. I, I, they might've seen it. Sometimes I get DMs from people. Oh, this is what you're doing now. Mm. So I'd, I feel like my channel is my little project and no one's looking. And so I can just do whatever I want. I'd, if someone invites me to watch event, I'll just go. If I make a fool of myself, cool. No one knows who I am. Um, it doesn't quite work when you have a quarter of a million subscribers, but it's, but but that, that's that's the mindset that I have is is that it you just get on with it. Uh, but yeah, imposter syndrome constantly. And I was at a watch event with Oris. Oris do this this yearly snowboarding event, which is absolutely awesome. Best way of doing a watch event is about five percent watches and then ninety five percent just having fun. Um, I was at this this table with with a whole lot of proper journalists, like guys who write for the Times, uh, GQ, uh, the Telegraph, like like people who actually study journalism and, and do it properly. And I brought up the, the idea of, of imposter syndrome. Um, and one of the the journalists, for, 
I think it was T3 or one of the tech magazines. It's like everyone gets imposter syndrome. I still get imposter syndrome. I was like, oh, all right, but you're like a cool, big, okay, big fun. boss, yeah. But 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 and and it's it's funny because he he said it as just such a, a throwaway comment. But I've actually held on to that. Is that if ever I'm feeling like I've got imposter syndrome, I just look around the room and say, all of you bastards have it as well. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. Just get on with it. It's just so we can deal with it better. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, let's let's just let's make the most of this situation. Um, and I, I think that's just a trick in life is is look around, see what opportunities there are and just, just make the most of it. And that, that's Grant was saying that the other day. Grant Wilson, who's the UK director of IWC, we, we mm. both know him. I asked him the same question because I was interested. He, he's marketing a team of, I'll need to fact check myself, but maybe eight, nine, ten. And I asked him if he had that imposter syndrome. He said, always, but it makes me work twice as hard yeah. because I, I need to know that the, the man next to me isn't working as hard as me so that I'll get I'll get there. Yeah. And I think it was a really valuable lesson because everyone feels that way, but just use it to your advantage. Instead of being like, oh, I'm going to go and I can't be here, yeah, use yeah. it to your advantage. And you're pretty similar to me in terms of, I hate events. I'm so awkward. Yeah. I, like, like, <laughs> it's the, like, Drew's been to events with me and I'll literally be sitting there sweating in the corner. Like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> but it's a necessary thing to do and you need yeah. to keep pushing yourself out your comfort zone. Have you ever dealt with kind of anxieties or anything like that or depression or uh yeah massively um I, I remember my first sense of like a legit uh full-on panic attack from anxiety i remember seeing um so, so when i had my day job in, in hr my uh my boss uh worked three days a week so that meant i had two days in a week in, in the office without my boss um and i had a, a desk in the corner so that meant that Two days a week, I was working on YouTube. <laughs> I, was, I was prepping videos, doing research. No one and could see you. So no one could see me. My, my computer, <laughs> my screen was facing out the window, so it was, it was game on. Um, and I, I remember opening up YouTube and, and seeing what was going on, and everything was kicking off about, uh, I think it was like Watch of the Wonders or something. I had no idea about Watch of the Wonders. Mm. And, and there was all this content being made. And then I suddenly I saw... Um, uh, another youtube channel uh, it's probably like jory goodman uh the, the time table or, or someone like that teddy Bodzer, mm. was doing a video and i thought shit that's what i should be doing mm. i shouldn't be here at my desk job i'm missing out i'm i'm wasting this opportunity mm. and and i i had this this pain down my arm i had this like proper it, it was so bizarre it, it, it was triggered by that situation but obviously uh a result of perhaps lots of other stresses of, of wanting to do something, but kind of just feeling this trapped. genuine, yeah, genuine feeling of being trapped in, in mm -hmm. something that I want to do. And I can see paradise over there. I just want to make watch videos. I want to be over there, but I'm stuck in this shit here. Um, and so I actually left the office, went and sat in the park, got my phone out and made a video <laughs> about all the watch releases yeah. on my iPhone. And that, that's my whole point about fuck, fuck tech. Just get yeah. on with it. Get your phone out. And, and I made a video about all the new watch releases on my phone in my lunch break. That was about three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that, though. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. But, but, but so it, that, was, that was kind of like my first feeling of, uh, one, I, I have to be in control of what's going on. But also, uh, I was kind of talking to myself saying, it isn't that big. If you miss this opportunity, it's not that big. And it's, it doesn't matter. There's going to be more watches to talk about next month. And I, I, there's sometimes a, a sense of feeling like I've missed out on an opportunity because I wasn't invited to this press event or I, I, I wasn't able to make a video on that. Like, it doesn't matter. How am I, I always tell myself, how am I going to feel after the event? Uh, I probably won't care. 
because they'll be working on the next thing. Cool. Let's let's take that feeling. Let's make that happen now. And use it. And it's like, I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. It's funny you were saying that anxiety with you is kind of linked to feeling trapped. Mm. I've experienced exactly the same thing. And I remember being 17 years old sitting in the office because I didn't get into uni or college. So I went straight into work. And uh, it's a bit different, but all, all my pals were off at uni experiencing life. Yeah. And I, I was sitting there thinking, I've really screwed up here. And I was sitting in the office in front of a computer that I didn't want to do. And I thought, you know what, fuck it. I'm going into photography and video where I can do exactly what I want in my own time. And nobody can tell me that I'm wrong. Mm. And I probably worked twice as hard on that because it was in my own time. Yes. And I, ha- yeah. I wasn't trapped by anything. Do you kind of see it, feel the same way with YouTube? Because you, you can be sitting on your desktop, open it up at 11 a.m., and work until one in the morning. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're not confined. Do you think it comes down to if someone tries to put a structure around you, you, you kind of freak out? Yeah, it, it, it was a really, a really fascinating kind of life event for me. Uh, the realization that, that I'm not happy with life. I'd have my day job, come home, uh, have dinner with, with the kids, get the kids to bed, and then I'd waste three hours getting lost in a world of... Um, uh, Grand Theft Auto GTA yeah. and I'd, I'd just play and, and I'd create the life that I wanted in GTA I'd, I'd, I'd watch a lot of um, car YouTube channels uh, and actually uh, TGE TV was, was one of the channels that I'd, I used to uh, really follow and I, I loved that scene I, I'm now a mate with Tom so I actually told him this but I used to if I saw a car in their videos that I liked I'd go into GTA and I'd, I'd build that car and I'd pretend that I was part that was of that right. gang yeah, yeah. then uh, I wanted a promotion uh at work and my boss uh the company agreed to pay for me to go on a course the deal was a five grand course the deal was you pass this course we'll pay for the we'll pay for it we'll pay this five grand if you fail you'll pay five grand i I am not paying five grand for a Mm. course that is only going to benefit me if i keep this job Mm. Uh, and so uh, for about 18 months i didn't turn a playstation on i came home did the day, day job came home had dinner uh kids to bed and then i'd study until one in the morning, 12, one. Every weekend I'd be uh, the South Bank Centre in, in London and I'd be on my own just studying. And I'd, I fucking nailed that course. I've never worked so hard in my life. Mm. And I've actually only just turned on the PlayStation again, like five, six years later. Because after that course finished, that was when I started YouTube. Because I realised Gary V's right. If you're sat playing PlayStation, watching Netflix and moaning about your day job, turn the fucking thing off mm-hmm. and change your life. And that's that, that doing that course made me realize that there is an extra three hours in your day. And so from that, that time on, I'd, I'd do the day job, come home, dinner, kids to bed, and I'd edit until uh, I'd, I'd record a video, then edit it and put it out that night. It was shit, <laughs> but, but it, was, it was a hustle. And I'd, I'd work until one in the morning. And, and mm-hmm. there was this... I'd be on the tube on my phone researching. I'd, I'd be writing, writing thoughts, writing video ideas down, specking things. And, and that was just life. At the weekends, I'd do a little bit of a family, but I'd, I'd just graft. It, it was a, a full-on hustle, full-on graft. Uh, and I did that for about 18 months, two years, uh, just to get the videos out. Because I learned, I, I can't remember where I heard this, but there's, there was this thing around YouTube where you have to hit 100 videos. Once you've hit 100 videos, you've saturated the platform enough to to get uh, to start growing properly sustainably yeah sustainably yeah. yeah I think it's changed now because you could put one really good video out and that could go viral so I think it's changed but but back then it was I just I wanted to get that hundred videos so I was doing three videos a week um, and working constantly because uh, I just knew I'd, I I could put that PlayStation on I could escape to my my made up world 
or I could make my own world. I could find this level of happiness that is actually legit, actually real life. Um, and, and now I'd, 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 I tell people, I'd, I feel like I've won the lottery because I literally spent, if, I, if someone said, Adrian, here's a winning lottery ticket, go get your 100 millions. I'd be making videos about shit I find fun. Mm. And so although I don't have the money, I've got the time and I'm doing the shit that I find fun. Um, and, and it's all because of that course, all because of the realization that no, it's, I don't have to escape life in a, in a video game. Although now I quite like shooting people. <laughs> <laughs> there's this uh, there's this perception, and people have talked to me about it, especially when 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 as you know I kind of went, there was a viral moment for me on Instagram, and everyone gravitates towards you and say, "Oh my god, I can't I, I can't believe you're doing what you love for for for, for money for a job. It looks so easy. All you mm. do is travel the world, or, yeah. or in my case, it would be travel the world." before and, and in your case it all is is making videos but i think there's like there's so much more to it that people don't see yes and there's the hundreds of videos that you've made before they've seen that video mm. that's the polished finished article is there any steps is there any tips that you can give anyone in terms of getting it to that polished stage of being the finalized piece that someone sees i i think um i think it's all about analyzing it's, I think it's about, it's not about throwing something out there and then hoping for the best and moving on to the next thing. I watch my videos back constantly. I'll put a video up and immediately, the first thing I'll do, I'll, I'll watch it and then it will go live. And then I'll watch it again as if the, the live version is going to be any different to the one that I saw before. <laughs> but I'll keep watching it. And, and I know exactly, obviously know exactly what's happened because I edited the whole bloody thing. But the, it's, it's about analyzing it and thinking, well, what, what would I change? But also, what's too much? Did I need to color grade that that bit of a roll? Does anyone care if my stone, my, if if the tone of my skin is ever so slightly purple? No one gives a shit. Mm. Do, well, is that lighting right? No one cares. Mm. No, no, PewDiePie, one of the biggest channels in the world, recording a fucking webcam <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, in the most boring room ever. It it doesn't matter. Look at Mr. Beast, the biggest channel in the world. The lighting's not right. The sounds pretty good. They probably record on, on all right cameras, but it's not about the color grade. It's not about the cinematics. So I, I think we often get caught up in the stuff that just doesn't matter. Uh, Peter McKinnon used to talk about this a lot. That getting it done is better than getting it right or getting it perfect. You can waste so much time. Um, and and this, this was one of the things around uh, that I found challenging in, in a studio. If, if a client would pay me to do uh, five days of work, like yeah but i could just keep tweaking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or just going back so no you have to give yourself a deadline mm. um and and you have to uh, you have to stick to that deadline if, if it's not right i mean there, there's obviously a balance you, you don't want to put out something that's going to damage your credibility or damage your 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 branding but at the same time you don't need to overthink it mm. you just need to figure out at what level is good enough it's youtube it's not Hollywood. Mm. <laughs> and I think a lot of people get get stuck in the idea of uh, it's got to be something epic. It doesn't always have to be. Is it Peter McKinnon that, that kind of inspires you? Would you see he's an inspiration? Yes. Uh, yeah. And I embarrassingly told him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's a big watch guy. He's, he's got some epic watches. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Because he... I don't want this to sound insulting, but he—he's just him. He—he's—he's he's got sometimes messy hair, sometimes a lot of stubble. Sometimes he shaves his hair off. Sometimes he's just sat in a hoodie, and it's—it's 
you see a lot of people talking about, sorry, for those who don't know, Peter, I'm sure lots of people know, Peter McKinnon <laughs> talks about cameras and, and photography tips. Yeah. Uh, and that world's often by someone sat very conservative. Photography is very similar to watches. A lot of us are a bit weird. We're a bit, we're not always socially aware. We're, we're, we're kind of reclusive perhaps. <laughs> and, <laughs> I could agree with and, that. <laughs> and, and the photography world, people who enjoy cameras are sometimes a bit odd. Um, I, I, I am one of those. Uh, and he breaks the mold. Mm -hmm. He's very charismatic. He's very cool. And he is just himself. He isn't an act. He's just high energy. And, and so I took inspiration from him just being unapologetically him. And there, there was a, there was a comment on Reddit that was uh, a trolling comment, but I took so much pride in it. Um, I, I, I saw it probably three or four years ago. I, I, I like going on Reddit because Reddit's such a toxic place <laughs> that it's kind of gone off the scale off the scale of toxicity that it's actually just hilarious. There's, there's, there's a, a Reddit um, group called uh, Watch Circle Jerk, and it's just hilarious. Uh, but there, there was a comment on on a Reddit group that said, "I can't stand that Adrian Bark and Jack guy because he's he's ruined luxury for me. He's made luxury too accessible to the normal person." I thought, "Fucking a." <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> that is mission complete because this stuff, Rolex make a million watches a year. <laughs> They're one of the biggest watch manufacturers in Switzerland. That's not luxury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only luxury because we, we're told it's luxury mm. and, and they're not expensive. Seven, eight, nine thousand pounds for a watch is a lot of money. But when you're in a world of where there's yeah. millions for watches, it's not expensive. And it's like most people, I mean, the, the economy's fucked, so perhaps not now, but <laughs> a couple of years ago, you could have easily got a credit card and walked into a, a Rolex AD and, and got yourself a Rolex. Mm. Um, and and so, so the idea that this stuff has to be for the elite, has to be for uh, for the wealthy, it's, it's just ridiculous. Mm. It's, it's, ironically, the, the wealthier people, the wealthiest people I know don't wear watches like this. It's... Mm. Uh, so yeah. Casio G-Shock on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, yeah, funny old thing. <laughs> and, and what, it is funny that perception around the, 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 I get this on YouTube all the time. There's this huge perception that Rolex is the rarest brand in the world. Hmm. And I keep reinforcing, listen, I'm a Rolex fanboy. I love Rolex. Oh, I, oh I me do. too. Most of my watches are Rolex. Yeah, but but, but it, it, I'm just not... It's like, not factually true though. Like, exactly. They, they, it's yeah. like, they, they, I, think it's, I think the stat now is 1.2 million watches a year. Right. So... I keep re reinstating in the videos, like, listen, they, they are what they've done for the watch industry is amazing. Oh, absolutely. It's incredible. Yeah. But they're not rare. Yeah. So don't call them rare when they're not rare. Yeah. If you look at Vacheron that produced 30 to 40,000 watches a year and people are saying, well, they're quite common. It's like, well, you've got Rolex and like, what's yeah, yeah, going on? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vacheron, legit uh, hot horology, legit in-house, yeah. legit uh, luxury and genuinely rare with regards to volume yeah. compared to so someone like Rolex. No, it, it, it is a really funny one, but but we're, we're all sold on branding. I'm a sucker for brands. Anyway, I'm wearing Nike shoes. I'm wearing a, a, a Rolex. So it's, it's we're all suckers for that stuff, but you also have to be able to take a step back and think, what is this really? Mm. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's, it's a funny world, man. But but I also love the idea that people think that their watch makes, the, makes them a higher status. Yeah. No one's looking at your wrist. Oh no. No one gives a shit. No. And it's, it's, it's like when, in London. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apart from that, yeah, that's that's the only thing that that, that will give you status is, is whether you're going to get get uh, mugged or not. <laughs> it's, I suppose it's all based on marketing and what it, it is all marketing. It is all marketing. But what they do really well, 
I've seen this with Hamilton. Remember when we went to Zermatt together? Yeah, I and still they, haven't edited that video. I, oh yeah, I see it still. <laughs> yeah, so still just for, just for context, so Adrian and I went to we went to Zermatt and, and and Hamilton put us on this helicopter. We literally got off the plane, got on this like four by four beautiful car with the CEO of Hamilton Watches, mm. then got on a helicopter to Zermatt. Then the next day we woke up and went on a helicopter ride round the matter. It was unbelievable, it was and that experiential bit is what draws me to hamilton now yeah yeah i know for a fact and we've got some stuff coming up with hamilton that i can't say but um <laughs> but i know for a fact i will be getting a new hamilton because of that experience and i think that's kind of what you do on the youtube in a way because you give people an experience about watch watches even though it's your opinion yeah they're experiencing it through the screen and think actually i like adrian he's quite cool i'm gonna get the same watch do, have you ever thought about that because you have millions of viewers on that channel yeah that yeah that that, that stuff scares me and, and like when when you uh, the, the Black Bay is obviously mean a massively popular watch mm. and I always get scared oh, I bought this because of you he's like no don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm wrong yeah. <laughs> just buy it because you want it if if you liked my pictures then I appreciate that yeah. but no just you, yeah don't do that yeah. <laughs> or just I don't know I, I always feel feel uh, I don't know that, that, that stuff scares me I'm just going to pause here really really quickly to say if you're watching this and if you've ever taken any value or enjoyed this podcast I would really appreciate it if you could hit that like button five star button subscribe button whatever it is wherever you are it would be much appreciated we're trying to get to our goal of 10,000 subscribers this year which is quite high but i think we can get there with this incredible community so if you could help us get there i'd really really appreciate it anyway let's get back to it anyone can sit down for a dinner and have a glass of champagne and talk about watches yeah yeah but not everyone can go up in a helicopter or mm -hmm. uh, you know go diving whatever it is that you want to do that's the stuff that people remember yeah and absolutely. i think that it's really important for brands to 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 kind of do that yeah um, and to to make it memorable for people Bring it back to YouTube. Do you, so you don't film every event you go to. It's only the ones that you like that are cool. Yeah. It, it, if there's a story, um, if there's something happening and there's a story that I, I think is interesting or I think other people might find interesting, then I'll capture it. Mm -hmm. If I think the watch is, is nice, I'll capture it. Um, other than that, I just think uh, I'll just enjoy the drinking <laughs> canapes and probably go home early <laughs> yeah or i'll just leave there's, there's been events where i just think ah i don't know I'm, yeah. i've got work to do yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that, that's that's half the, the the challenge is especially with long events is mm. you often go out there with journalists and it's their job to take a couple of pictures and then go back to their office and write an article and the time it takes for them to edit those pictures write an article they'll still beat you when it comes to editing your video even if i go back to my hotel room that night which i do and I'll, I'll edit the video start editing there and then it takes so long to do that process and watch brands don't take that into consideration so i went to a zenith event a couple of weeks ago uh, and one of the days was going out for um dinner in, in glasgow it was a, an event in scotland go out for dinner in glasgow and then go whiskey tasting in a distillery it's like oh, i've got work to do mm. i just no Give me the watch. I don't give a shit about this this fancy dinner stuff. That's you just get it zero interest for that. Yeah. Um, I want to get some nice shots. So I left the group, took the watch, went to my studio, and, and shot the watch. Mm. Uh, and that's what I would I would have done it in a hotel room otherwise. Because it's the, the the press elements are nice. It's always nice to go out for a good dinner, um, but that's not what gets the job done. It's it's all BS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what's your process? So so so. I know for me, when I used to edit my own videos for, for, for just my YouTube channel, um, for example, the Norway video, that I remember you commented on yeah, it. Yeah. 
I would listen to the music again and again and again and again and then I'd storyboard the music right and then that's kind of my process when editing mm-hmm. what, what do you what's your first do you get the music first because a lot of people do that or do you storyboard it first or what's your kind of what's your process I, I edit the a-roll first so I, I get the story done um, and then I look I get the story done and I often think in my head I'll, I'll have the music in my head of how I think this this section will work and that's often how i shoot the beaver if i think right i'm gonna i want to have a catchy hook for the intro and then cut to some sort of um b-roll what youtubers call cinematic mm-hmm. stuff um, and i'll have the music in my head of, of how that goes and then I'll, I'll shoot the b-roll around that concept the challenge is i feel music is so emotive or connection to connects to emotion that by the time it comes to editing having done the story the music will have changed and yeah. so the music that I want will have changed. Uh, and so I, I hate choosing music because mm-hmm. I'll have an idea in my head of what that is. Uh, and I'll just be going through, uh, what's it, Epidemic Sound yeah. or, or uh, not Frame IO, uh, there's, there's another one, Artlist. And just, just scrolling for hours yeah. trying to find the music and then cutting it and then put it in the timeline, do the, a roll, do the B-roll to the music. Wake up the next morning. Uh, let's so try a different one. <laughs> Did you have to recut the whole recut thing? Recut the whole thing. <laughs> I remember having a client back in the day. I was doing a video edit. And, and I did this epic cinematic video with like this song. And they went, yeah, we love the video, but you can change the song. And I thought, fuck. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's not <laughs> so that easy. Video, <laughs> yeah. so well, maybe spent... with AI it will be because yeah. it would put the cuts. But it's, yeah. <laughs> it was wild. But I, I remember, it's funny you said that because I remember being in Zermatt with you. I can't remember who, who, who we were shooting for. We went to the ice caves. Oh, uh, that was a Explorer 2 with uh, yeah. Chronix. That was it. That was yeah. it. And we went to these ice caves. And I remember you uh, you went away for a while just to vlog and do some stuff. But I remember you humming a song at that point. And I thought, I bet you that's the song he's using in the video. And he's just oh, right. humming it in order. Because you were trying to like figure out how to do this video. And you were humming a song. And it was, I'm sure... It was the song you used in the video. That's probably just my ADHD. <laughs> my whole life, I've, I've got that's music, not purposeful. I've got music in my head, and parents call it my um, musical Tourette's. <laughs> There's always a soundtrack. <laughs> what do you think is the coolest event you've gone to in terms of like what's the what's, what's the coolest experience you've had with the, a watch brand? The coolest uh, with a watch brand uh, from a perhaps career perspective. Um, so the first interview I ever did was um, Rolf, the CEO of Oris. That's pretty cool. I went to a Red Bar event. Mm-hmm. He was there, and it was a, it was one of those situations of ignore the autism, ignore the sense <laughs> of uh, sense of a, a, anything, any anxiety. There's a CEO there. You've got a watch channel. You've got a camera. You've got a shitty five pound light that you bought off Amazon. Mm. Let's do an interview. I said Rolf, can uh, just quick five ten minutes on on camera? Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. So I sat down, ripped open um, a a paper bag and used that as a bounce for the light shot this five pound light the paper bag at at Rolf and myself and and he laughed at the the concept of this had a little uh microphone there and and the, there was some weird relationship that started that was like that's we're both just getting on with this we're, we're, we're both just making do and 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 making stuff happen uh and it, it was always a, a cool relationship they they then launched Orison launched a significant watch, their ProPilot X in Shanghai, and Rolf wanted me there. Rolf told his PR team, but I'll, let's let's get Adrian there. And so I got this invite. Oh, Shanghai, that's, that's epic. Uh, 
first class flight out to Shanghai. Oh, I had like proper bed that went down. <laughs> it's, but I didn't sleep at all. <laughs> I was like, there was a free bar. Like, <laughs> coffee at 12 at night. Yeah, let's do that. Fresh cake. Yeah, let's go. Clotted cream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. it, was, it was hilarious. Uh, but then rocked up at Shanghai and got, got a taxi with this journalist from the Times. I thought, all oh, right, this is like a legit event. And then uh, sat down for dinner at uh, the, the big dinner. And I was sat next to the CEO of Oris, Rolf, but mm. sat next to the CEO. On the other side was um, Cole from Houdinki. Oh, fuck, mm. this, is, this is happening. This mm. is like... Big. Yeah, this is... I'm not just some shitty... I was still a shitty YouTuber, but it's, <laughs> I'm part of the gang here. And, yeah. that's, and that's, uh, that was a, a cool moment of, of just realization that something's working. And that, that, that was pretty cool. The uh, recognition. It was, it was a recognition, yeah. Mm. I'd, 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 and perhaps I'd, in that moment, I didn't have this imposter syndrome. It was just, I'm just going with the flow. And, and this is where the flow's taking me. Mm. Um, so this, it's kind of cool. It's kind of nice. It's quite funny you say the recognition thing. I think that f f throughout my career in photography and video, I was working up to a point because I wanted to work with Canon. And that's who right. I wanted to work with. And any other job, I'd kind of be like, it's not really Canon. Yeah. Um, as soon as I got the job with Canon and that kind of, recognition hit they were like mm. oh my god the big one of the biggest camera brands in the world wants to work with me i kind of thought i've done it i mm -hmm. was like uh, have you had that at all like it's, i don't mean to be um it, it sounds bad saying that but i do think that you hit a point you do everything you wanted to do and you think i kind of feel demotivated again like i, I feel like i've kind of hit the wall mm -hmm. have you ever had that where you've worked with you, you've got to a certain like point and then you think i, I don't know what else to do yeah yeah there's there's been a couple of moments where it's it's hard to know which direction so it's it's hard to to say stuff without sounding like i'm blowing my own trumpet mm -hmm. there's been times where where publications have tried to buy uh bark and jack or, or, or buy my youtube channel uh and you sit there thinking oh this could be fun what watches could I buy now? Mm. <laughs> what car could I go get? Do I retire? Um, but then you sit and think, well, no, but that's not what it's about. Mm. It isn't about the money. If if it is, then, then I'd, I would I would have taken the money. I've, I've turned down, um, I've, I've got an episode coming out soon where, where I turned down $300,000, which in hindsight, I kind of regret. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but but that's that's ultimately the, 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 the thing is, it isn't about the money. But the the opportunity of that happening is very much a all oh, right that's usually for business that's the end goal isn't it to yeah. sell to 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 move on you work it up to sell yeah. yeah 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 build it up to sell uh so th that was cool there, there was there was a time in uh, i think it was 2018 2019 where i started the year in january just after new year i went off to the bremon factory and had a tour of the bremon factory and i, I was still small I, was, I, was, I had about 30 20 30,000 subscribers then went off to the bremon factory I thought, all right, this is pretty cool. Like the first factory tour. Then two weeks later, I was at Roger Smith on the, the um, Isle of Man and sat down and had a, a whole day with Roger Smith looking around his workshop. Arguably one of the best watchmakers in the world. And I was kind of like, this, this is too early. Mm. I, I shouldn't be doing this. I'd, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this from the point, from the career point of I'm still relatively small, from the horological point of I'm still, I've got so much more to learn. Although he taught me, like it was literally a day's masterclass of watchmaking with Roger Smith, which was absolutely incredible. I still refer back to things that he told me back then. Um, 
but in my journey, I I feel like I I shouldn't have gone there because mm. I I want to do that again. I can't do that again. Yeah. Because there's there's never going to be that opportunity. Oh my god, this is how you actually make a proper watch. It isn't a machine. This isn't a robot going. This is this mm. is one guy filing down a little wheel. This is this is someone using uh, a century old lathe, engine turning machine to to create uh, gear shape patterns on a on a dial. It's like this. This is how it's done, and I I will never get that experience again because you never get that that wow moment for a second time so th there was an element of that afterwards kind of like ah oh, probably shouldn't have done that mm. um but then I, I but then i do look forward to the time of going back and, and seeing roger like we, we, we always catch up at, at watch events and it's it's really cool um so yeah that's that's i guess those are moments of have I done it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of hit, hit. I suppose there's always the, the the trick is that you're never going to be where you want to be, and that's a good thing because you're always you're always going forward. Yes, yeah, and that's how it should be. I yeah. think that after I I, I did uh, the, the thing with Canon, I thought, right, what what else can I get my teeth into? The Chisholm Hunter Channel, who are the sponsors of the podcast, and then also I thought, why don't I start a podcast? Because mm -hmm. I love talking to people. I love getting the ins and outs of their their careers and their jobs, and I'm really interested in it. So I think it's just keep setting yourself new goals to yeah. work towards. When you hit one, be like, okay, well that's great. I'll set myself another, mm -hmm. and then you keep getting that endorphin rush of getting there. Well, this is it, and then kind of going full circle back to the, the original thought around uh, are the neurodiversity of 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 ADHD and dyslexia beneficial? Like, yeah, kind of inherently, it's like that. People with ADHD often get bored of, of projects, not because the project is boring, but because the the tap of endorphins has, has kind of slowly been turned off. Mm. And, and that inherently means that you're always looking for the next thing. And so when you become comfortable in the current state, you're naturally going to think, okay, cool. So what's next? And that's just you evolving, you, you pushing forward onto the next business idea or next creative idea. There was actually an experiment that was done with a rat in a maze. And what they did is they put a little bit of chocolate within the maze. And the rat went through the maze to find the chocolate. And when it hit the chocolate, it got this huge endorphin rush in its mind. Right. It hit the chocolate. They put the rat in the same maze and the chocolate in the same spot. The rat found the chocolate again a lot sooner because it was the same spot. And the endorphins went up, but they weren't like that great. Yeah. Then they did it again and again and again. And over time, the endorphins were just neutral. Mm -hmm. Like even finding the chocolate through the maze, it wasn't finding anything. And it's, it kind of goes back to that. If you become a creature of, of habit, which ADHD in a way kind of prevents you from going there because yeah. you do get so easily bored. If you become a creature of habit, you are naturally at a lower state of endorphins than if you were to do the next thing and to go into the next thing. So actually, in a roundabout way, ADHD kind of saves you from from that uh, consistency and, and, and lowering those levels. Yeah. Um, and I think that I can kind of see that in you. You're kind of, you've got your podcast, you've got your business, You've got your YouTube channel. The YouTube channel's ever evolving and ever changing. The mm. podcast's ever evolving and ever changing. You've got a new studio. You've got this. You need something yeah. to, to, to like level out your your endorphins. Do you think you always need a, a project? Do you think that's something that you you kind of have in your mind that you you always need to be doing something? Yeah, I I, I always do have projects. I've I've always um uh, and and maybe that's why I've always been. Um, I think entrepreneurial sounds like it has become a bit of a wanky term. I've always been. Uh, someone looking for opportunity to to, to do something. I'd, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd, I sell watch straps, uh, and a lot of people think that that started because of the YouTube channel. I was selling watch straps years before YouTube mm -hmm. because I uh, uh, took a flight with the family. The flight got cancelled, and we got two hundred fifty. The flight I think cost about forty five pounds each. <laughs> we got two hundred fifty. How things have changed? <laughs> yeah, we got two hundred fifty <laughs> quid compensation for the cancelled flight, mm -hmm. and so suddenly had two hundred fifty quid. Like, I don't need it. Oh, it's. I'm, I didn't need it at the time, so I thought, mm -hmm. what can I do with it? Cool, let's, 
I want a watch strap. I'm not going to pay that much for the watch strap. So let's let's buy uh, five hundred of these watch straps yeah. from uh, uh, Europe and and let's sell them on eBay. So yeah. then turn that two hundred fifty quid into quite a few thousands. And so it's it's always and and that that was simply just a project of I've got the day job. What else can I do? <laughs> and so yeah. it's it's one of the things that going back to like looking for the the the, the endorphins or that that dopamine hit. I used to think that I had an issue with sugar uh, because I'd, I would often throw up from eating chocolate. And there's a weird thing with ADHD is once you do find that that source of endorphins, that, that, that dopamine hit, you'll keep going back. And that's why you listen to songs on repeat. It's because yeah. your brain is satisfied with the dopamine hit from that song. Now, if I, if I open a, uh, a, a bar of chocolate... I will devour the whole thing. I'll feel sick. Wait five minutes. Sickness is gone. Yeah. Start the next bar of chocolate. And I will eat until I am projectile vomiting. <laughs> and then I realize, oh shit, maybe I've got, di- I don't know, di- like maybe I've got yeah. diabetes or, or something like that. Where my body's, no, no, dude, you, you're just, you're dopamine Benjamin. hitting on that yeah. chocolate to the point of you throwing up because your body can't deal with that much sugar and that much fat in your body. Uh, whereas now it kind of flips the other way. And, and, I now get a little dopamine hit when my body says, we're really hungry. Yeah, cool. Let's enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, that, That's wild though. Cause I was, I was looking at Drew there cause we work together in the studio. I'll buy a pack of cookies for the studio. I'll smash the whole pack. Yep. It, it's, it's like, oh, do you want, they're gone. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, it's, and I can't, I, I must be quite similar to you in that way that I can't, I can't draw the line between like, maybe it's a, like a pleasure thing in your brain. It like, is a I pleasure can't, thing. I can't, yeah. Not do, my, my ex-girlfriend used to have like one slice of a bar of chocolate. Mm-hmm. She'd eat it. She'd put the bar away. And I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I take it and I just devour but, but it. It's because we're doing it for a different reason. We aren't doing it because our, our body desires chocolate or our body uh, our, our body's hungry. We're doing it because our mm-hmm. brain's just fucking bored. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd, I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And so I've, I've been binge uh, uh, learning about it all. Uh, and the ADHD brain just... Uh, kind of idle on a slightly lower happiness slightly lower uh, level of just being entertained than a neurotypical version a, a, a person and so we're always looking for that right I'm, I'm feeling just not quite happy mm. how do i get happy it's that song cool i know that song works so let's play that song again and again and again or that chocolate bar i know i see freddo's but like my i'd, I'd get like 12 packs of freddo's and i'd like three or four packs of the 12 packs rookie numbers and so yeah it's but, but once you understand the, the kind of mechanics of it all it's it's, yeah. it's it's one it's fascinating but two that's how you control it that's how you yeah. and this is why a lot of people with adhd have have um alcohol problems or, or smoke and, and mm. have addiction because they they know that's a source of of entertainment or happiness mm. it's just false yeah <laughs> it's, it's all chemicals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you looking at the watch industry if, on YouTube, it's grown, especially over COVID, it's grown 10, 20, 30 times what mm. it was when we when we started. I, I started maybe a year and a half ago, you were before me, but it's growing so fast. Do you think that, that the watch market on YouTube is kind of saturated now? Uh, no, I don't because I, I believe the cycle of people's motivations differ. Mm. And I think... Um, watches have become uh, over COVID most certainly, but over, over the past, I don't know, five years, 10 years, watches have, have suddenly become a lot more mainstream. Um, since COVID, they became 
epically mainstream because people had spare cash and, and they wanted to put it somewhere. And so watches then became cool, kind of like cars are cool, kind of like cameras are cool. Imagine how many photography channels have started because of Peter McKinnon yeah. and that. So I, I think a lot of people will see perhaps watch YouTubers or just want to be making content about something cool or just want to be YouTubers and that's not the right motivation. That's how you get burnt out. That's how you, you lose your way. You have to just want to enjoy making videos. You have to want to, you have to enjoy the craft of that being your work and getting no reward for it for years and years. And not many people will be able to, to, to handle that. They, they, they just won't. Um, so I don't think it's saturated um, simply because a lot of the people who start will drop off and disappear. Um, and those who stay will just stay because they're good and, and, and that'll just be it. Also, I don't read or consume any, I'm not saying everyone's the same as me, but, I, but I'm not sure how much of a future there is in platforms like Houdinki. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the distrust is so high uh, in content like that that it, it is a and it is a dying platform the, the, the business model only has so many more years to go before it disappears or or, or just turns into complete mainstream um and that's that's no uh, that's not throwing shade on Houdinki I, I love the guys at Houdinki it's, it's just that business model is changing um and I feel like YouTube is such a massive platform more people watch YouTube than they do TV mm. and so that's that's no I, I, there's so many eyes so many different opinions and the fantastic thing around YouTube as a platform is, and, and the fact that there's so many people, you simply find the people who you like, people yeah. who talk about the watches that you like. Um, and and that's, that's people will send me a message. Why don't you talk about micro brands? That's not my thing. Yeah. Go, go, go talk to um, Jody over just more, one more watch. Um, that, that's, that's his thing. Well, why don't you talk about horology? Not my thing. Mm. You go, go look at someone else. Uh, so it's, that's the fantastic thing about so many YouTube channels mm. is a, a specialization. Do you think that you would edit videos for free if you could? Because you, you were saying about the passion for it and, and that that's when you get into YouTube, you can't do it because you want to be like someone else. It needs yeah. to come from you. It needs to come from the heart. Well, uh, not now I wouldn't, but uh, essentially that's that's what you do at the start of YouTube is, mm. is, is you're, you're, you're based on my experience. I didn't earn a penny for... Um, I think the first two years, mm. I, I wasn't allowed to monetize because I messed up setting up ad yeah. <laughs> So they blacklisted me for a year. So that's, that's not quite fair. But but honestly, like you, you see cents trickling in, pennies trickling in. I remember like seeing 17p for a day. It's like this. And and, and so so when, when people think that YouTubers make a lot of money, they really don't. And unless it's like any business, it, it, it depends on how you build that, 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 that opportunity to, to make money. Um, but you spend years editing for free. Um, I, I wouldn't do it now simply because it's, I, I spend so much time doing my my work that it's I just couldn't possibly justify it. Um, but yeah, you have to. You have to graft. <laughs> I think, yeah, on reflection of my trajectory into videography and photography, the first, I think the first five years of me posting on Instagram, starting to post on YouTube, I earned nothing, mm. but those were the happiest years yeah, I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I remember I used to I used to be insane. I used my ex used to tell me to sleep in the spare room because I'd be up at two in the morning, mm -hmm. packing my bag, go up, going up a hill, filming it all by myself. I thought like, I got such an adrenaline and endorphin rush from doing that. Do you think as soon as you bring in a figure to something, 
you kind of get a bit more demotivated because you're getting paid for it uh yes I'd, yeah I'd, i do agree and that's actually what happened with um with music and why i left the the, the production uh, music production company uh well, well the one it died but but the that industry was i became so disconnected to the idea I, I was taking on jobs not because it was art but because i had rent to pay mm. and you suddenly think oh this isn't what i want to do i want to be recording rock bands and 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 the, the the flip side of that was bands would come in who I'd like and they'd be like yeah we, we can only afford uh, five days of, of of production it's like yeah no let's 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 do let's do yeah. three weeks that's that's cool and so essentially just working two weeks for free but I, I wanted to do that art mm. um, and so that's yeah that's that's kind of the challenge but I, I think it's it's more to do with for me I I struggled with um, the the voice and the amount of views I remember when my first video not felt like it was going viral not not viral in in the youtube sense but viral in the watch and i put a video up and within the first couple of hours it got thirty thousand views mm -hmm. and this was when i had probably twenty thousand subscribers and so that that was massive traffic and i, I was legitimately scared i thought what have i done wrong mm -hmm. <laughs> what's happened i felt like i was being attacked just by this view count going up um and i, I missed those days of just having like going to the comments and i recognized everyone's name mm -hmm. and and now it's now it's it i you you see the familiar faces or the familiar names uh, but sometimes random people turn up and you think oh sh like people are watching this and that's yeah that's concerning <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, i remember we had a conversation off camera i think it was in zeramat or, or or maybe it was in swiss i can't, I can't really remember but you were saying that you, as a person you, you're maybe quite quite awkward mm. same with me when people come up to you and recognize you, which by the way must have happened a lot, and I saw a lot of it happening at um, Watches and Wonders, do, do, do <laughs> you kind of, how have you dealt with that? Have you, have you kind of, is it something you get used to or what's? Uh, what, what I just think about is, you know, this is a fellow watch dude. Like we're, we're immediately friends. It's, mm -hmm. it's like seeing someone, I don't, I'm not into sport, but if, if you support a football team and you see someone else wearing the same shirt or wearing a scarf, you know. Yeah, your mates straight away, and so that's what I kind of feel like when if someone comes up to me, he's like, "Oh, you're, you're Barker Jack, or you're your agent," or, or like yesterday, someone coming up, he's just pointed at me in the street, just went out to grab, grab a coffee. He's like, mm. "Wait there, <laughs> <laughs> I've got it <laughs> yeah. somewhere here." <laughs> Are you supposed to be in London? Yeah, I used to live in London. Yeah, watches. That's it. <laughs> so, um, but immediately, yeah. we're mates. He's a watch guy. It's like there aren't many of us around, and yeah. and so I feel like there's there's it's kind of like a family. Yeah. So it's it's. It's cool now. It's it's but yeah, I understand the weirdness. It is a lovely thing. After a while, I think the initial it started happening like a year ago when I started posting to YouTube. Mm. Now it's a lot easier for me because I understand that the first port of call for my brain is, Well, what you got on? All right, cool. And then you have a discussion about that. And yeah, then yeah. as you say, it's kind of like this you know, backstreet thing where you know each other through the watch industry and you yeah. can be friends through the watch industry. But I don't think it's just ever ever anything that I'll get used to. And I'll, I'm very a lesser scale than you do you when you were filming the about effing time podcast were you getting harassed in terms of just people keep interrupting and saying hi yeah so that that was a real challenge because we uh, at watchers of wonders we gave ourselves three days to record i think about five long form episodes and i think eight short form episodes jesus that's that's and that's b-roll as well as, as oh well as God. sitting down talking so that that is a huge amount of work um and so it was really tricky at watches and wonders because naturally you, you you 
you're in a room full of watch people. Yeah. And so the percentage of people who, who will recognize you is higher is very high mm. because it, it, it's just a concentration. Uh, but it was getting to the point where I was late for, so we'd, we'd, we'd have a, a, a job to do a video, right? We're doing this video. Um, Adrian, you go off the, with this uh, shooter, uh, Marcus, you're going to go with Andrew and so on. So go off and, and, and capture our content and I'd always be the last one back. And, mm. and I don't want to be the dick and to say, sorry, man, I can't talk to you because yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> but I was genuine. At the end, I was, I'd, it was, uh, I had, I think, 20 minutes to catch my flight. Mm. And I wasn't even at the airport. I had to get from the, the location to the airport. And, and it was a matter of like, I'm sorry, dude, I've, I've got to run. Yeah. It's, it's either I say hi and be pleasant or I lose my flight and I have to buy a new ticket. And yeah. It's, yeah, so it's it was tricky. <laughs> did you see that community growing? Like, do, do you think the future of watches lies obviously within that community and the community is growing where do you kind of see it going do you see it continuing that trajectory yes i do yeah and and i i think that's really exciting and and that's why i i don't see other watch youtubers as any form of competition because we're mm. all going to have some a, a different opinion on something but equally the more of us the better the more people talking about watches on youtube the bigger the community is and the more people will come to youtube to 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 absorb that, to, to enjoy that content. Um, and so I, I, I feel that side of it's only going to get bigger. And I also feel like the pretentiousness, it might just be the the algorithmic world that, that I'm in now, but I feel like the pretentiousness of watches is diluting massively. I, I feel like it no longer are there people in suits talking about watches, mm. um, hiding their faces because they're concerned of security or something or, or unboxing their, their fifth Patek. It's, it's just normal people enjoying normal watches yeah. and they're getting the views. And that's, I think that's really cool. I, I think it's, 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 it's awesome to see people enjoying watches for what they are, not the status symbol that they, they, they historically carried. Mm. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I get you. And, and what, it wouldn't be an Adrian Barker interview without your watches. <laughs> <laughs> what watches do you have in your collection? Or what are your favorite watches that you have in your collection? Is maybe a more simple version because you've got quite a few. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's always changing. Um, so, so the watches I have in my collection, I've, I've got the watch I'm wearing today is uh, my 36 millimeter Explorer, Relics Explorer. This is a 14270 from 1998. It's my most favorite watch and I've been wearing it constantly for the past two, three weeks. Mm. Um, I've, I've got a, a root beer, Relics root beer, Relics Explorer 2. I've got an Omega Seamaster. You still got that? Yeah, I don't wear it. I'm going to sell it because um, um, I've got a couple of watches. I've got a Zenith Chronograph on loan at the moment, which I think is stunning. Is oh, I'm absolutely. Uh, the PR team have already asked for it back. <laughs> I haven't quite made the video yet. <laughs> Just do another two weeks on this. What are your thoughts on Christopher Ward? Amazing. This insane. If any of my family or close friends who aren't watch people come to mm. me and say, I want to watch, cool. It's always Christopher yeah. Ward, without a doubt. It just it just makes sense. If if the budget would go to Tudor, then I'd say that the same way that people see Tudor as value for money is exactly the same percentage ratio with mm. Christopher Ward. It, it Yeah. Killer. We, we got one in. Firstly, there, there, there's the quality in the looks, which are stunning mm. they, they, they just are and, and the build quality for the price is phenomenal but we i felt i'm not sure if you felt this as well their marketing team i emailed them thinking they're, not, they're never going to email back we mm -hmm. don't stock them at chisholm hunter you know they, they, they're online only and within a day they were like yeah we'll send you the sample don't worry about it 
and there was no you need to sign this waiver to, to sign your life away and if you break yeah. the watch you're in jail <laughs> like, it, it, it wasn't any of that it was like yeah we'll send you the watch here's the watch if you when would you be able to get it back to us all right here okay right fair enough by the way you can get a discount because you're a creator yeah their marketing was phenomenal did you do do, do, do you know why that is why because uh, Patrick and the marketing team interned for Bark and Jack. Did he? <laughs> yeah. For 18 months. Claim to fame. <laughs> I, I didn't get him that job there, but, but I, the, we had a, a gig where I needed to interview uh, Mike France from Crystal Ward and, and Roger Smith as part of the Alliance, mm. um, an Alliance interview. And I thought well, it'd be useful to have Patrick there. So I got Patrick on the thing and uh, told Mike, like, Mike, uh, if you, uh, Patrick's going to graduate uni soon marketing if you need a job so now he's, he's, he's like a manager for for the marketing team and uh, sorts out all the youtube creators <laughs> with, with the watches uh so yeah this yeah and they're, they're a company who really aren't pissing about and that's I, i'm still not a fan of the the the, the brand name christopher Ward. I, I i i don't like that i actually like the plus logo now um but I, I, what I like about them is just how open and honest they are about their process, where the components are made. Chris Ford, like, yeah, the, these guys in Switzerland make that part. We have a movement made over there. Just, our dials are done by this dude. Mm. So like, that's that's how it should be. Yeah, There's, honest. Yeah, be proud of the people who make your shit. Mm. Don't think that, oh, we have to hide it because no one believes that. Yeah. Literally no one believes it. Uh, so no, I've, I've got a lot of love for Chris Ward. Uh, the days yeah, of those marketing, the, the, the days of that kind of marketing, that kind of, Hide in the shadows mm. is gone. It has to be, and and, and it's uh, Bremont are still messing up uh, by by trying to uh, uh, push a story which just doesn't make sense. But but that being said, uh, it only doesn't make sense for the watch community, and we still make a tiny percentage of the people who are actually buying watches. Mm. It's, if you think of the watch market, it isn't us <laughs> propping up the market. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. we, it's just Joe it. <laughs> we just talk about it. We just talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we just talk about it. It's, it's Joe Blogs. The guy walking down the street who doesn't really care, but but they just enjoy it. What do you think is next for you in the career? You've got these a successful podcast, a successful Thank business, you. a successful successful channel. What's next? See, I, I don't see anything. I, I see them successful in the so far as I'm in control of my time, um, and I, and I I I do feel successful in that respect um, commercially. There's just so much more I could do. Um, and that's just down to my ADHD and inability to, to stay focused on a task. So uh, the, the next step is I have to hire some sort of operations person. So, so I've got ideas coming out of my bloody head, you know, on my ears. And, and I just need to find someone who who isn't bothered about ideas. They, they just want to do stuff. And bring them to threshing. Yeah. That's, so yeah. my... my I went hire my brother, but my brother's a, a fantastic project manager. He, mm. He'll take a project and he'll just create these insane processes on how to go from point A to point B and make a success of it and do it within a budget. I need to find someone who's who wants to do that for a very small business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. I think there's there's people out there that, that that would really like to work with you, and I know that when I was I'm so sure they wouldn't like to work with me but they might like the idea <laughs> like the idea <laughs> but I, I remember when I was first starting the channel uh, and Drew and I were, were hard at work but we didn't really know where we were going and there was quite a lot of that failure involved mm. I remember you being so open and being like no 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 this is what to do and you used to do this and I remember being in the car back for you from Zermatt I can't remember where we are well Zermatt or, or Switzerland I, I can't remember exactly why it was and you took a look at the titles and said 
why are you labeling it that? And I mm. said, oh, let's get the SEO here. Yeah, but would you click on that? And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. So you've been so like, you're, you're such a giving person. And I think that's the, the way that it should be. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. And it, it all comes back down to the, the no one is in competition. There's so many eyeballs in the world. There's so much money in the world. But businesses don't need to be in competition with each other because there's so much money going around and there's enough for everyone. There's enough eyes in the world. There's enough money in the world. Uh, and I, I feel like, generally speaking, the watch community is, is like that. Watch YouTube community is like that. that mm. it, Nico did the same with, with me a, a, a couple of months ago. Nico's got the biggest watch channel, with, without a doubt, by a long way. And he's going through my, my video titles. So let's change that. Mm. do that why are you doing this we need to label things like that it's like yes this we we want we need each other to to, to be big and successful um and we all benefit from that so it and it's a very healthy position to be in yeah. to be in, a, in in an industry where we can support each other yeah. and still be successful i think that's cool yeah and so, nice. do, so do i i think that there has been especially within the music industry which drew used to be in it can be very cutthroat Mm. it can be very i'm not helping you because i want the relationship with this person and, blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. and it's just not a healthy way to live and you're not going to grow the industry by having that shallow minded thought mm -hmm. of i'm going to be bigger ego yeah and i think that by helping people you you actually feel better about yourself yes and when it comes for them to help you later down the line they will mm -hmm. um if you looked back in your career and picked one of the most valuable lessons you've ever learned what do you think it would be? So that, that there was a time at Apple where uh, I think my my boss, my manager, got taken away. I can't remember what happened. This is going back like ten years. My my, my manager got taken away uh, to to work on another team, and my team, which was a, a relatively mature team, I'd say I was, I was probably one of the the youngest on the team. No, I was one of the youngest on the team, um, and the oldest was probably about fifty five. Uh, so quite a mature team. And we didn't have a leader, didn't have a manager, um, and uh, we were a very high-performing team globally. We, we were a, we were the, the the global center of training for Apple, so I was a high-performing team, uh, and we couldn't be shit, and we were becoming shit because we didn't have any leadership. We didn't have any. No one was looking after us. No one was looking. Uh, was, was controlling what mm -hmm. what we were doing, and so I thought, right, cool. I've, I just like the idea of a manager. I'll do it. I'm just. I'm just going to make myself the manager and and get on with it. And and I started doing that. And naturally, the team rebelled against me. Uh, and there was two moments where I thought, oh, I'm pretty shit at being a manager. <laughs> and one of the, the the most challenging guys, a mate of mine, but but within the team, he was, he was a challenging character, came up to me and said, Adrian, we're, we're pushing back because we're we're just accepting what you're doing. We don't like the idea of what you're doing, but that doesn't mean it's the wrong idea. Mm. I then, and that happened at the same time, I think probably maybe 20 minutes earlier, I was downstairs in the manager's office and I was complaining to uh, to a manager mate of mine about the situation, just thinking, like, I, I just can't, I'm not connecting with the team, I just can't do it. And again, I, I, a high-performing character, she was a, an, an ex-Australian female professional cricketer. She was a, a high manager in Apple and she came over and she's like, I just overheard what you're talking about. You just have to know that if you truly believe what you're doing is right, keep doing it. You can't, just because your team aren't happy doesn't mean your decision's wrong. And that's, I, I think about that all the time. And it, it, sometimes I'll say something on a YouTube film and the people will be in the comments go, oh, what are you talking about? You don't know anything. It's like, it's, 
that you might be upset, but I'm not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> just, just we're talking about facts here. Mm. If you remove the emotion, this is still the outcome. Um, and so that's, that's what I feel is, is, is what we should do. We often feel like we have to fit within this societal mold. Mm. That's not necessarily right. You can do something else and still be right. I just want to say, on a final note, I kind of said it a bit earlier, but I'll say it again. Whenever Drew or I are having any problems or whenever we don't really know what to do or, or, or there's, you know, I remember asking you about these studio mics mm. w- yeah. when, I was, when we were looking at the podcast and I just want to say a huge thank you from not just us, but the millions of people that watch you and are inspired by you, um, of which there's lots, and also the, the the openness and how honest you've been with me and, and, and the team. It's been incredible and you don't find that often. And I think we're really lucky to be in the industry we're, we're in, um, partially due to that. And if it wasn't for you, the podcast mics would be different. <laughs> so I want to seriously thank you very much. Oh, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, and I'm honestly always happy to help because we, we help each other. And we, we do. It's, uh, yeah, the world's better for that. Exactly. The world, yeah. that's a bit grand. <laughs> We're better for that. <laughs> We're better for that. <laughs> we aren't the world. <laughs> no, thank you very much, mate. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Into the Mind podcast. Please remember that our sponsors are Chisholm Hunter. If you're looking for any watches or jewellery, head to chismhunter.co.uk. But before you do that, if you'd hit that subscribe button, five-star button, whatever it is, wherever you are, I would really, really appreciate it. And I'll be back 